Hi, listeners. Welcome back to Motivate, the Motivation and Inspiration Podcast. I'm your host, Dahi D, and today we have Life Lessons from Tyler Perry. I chose today's episode because Tyler Perry has a great story. It's all about how he grew up from nothing and made himself into this billionaire. He went from being homeless to having a 300-acre movie studio. And in today's clip, he gives life lessons. The biggest lesson that stands out to me is that if you're on the right path, there's always something small that shows you you're headed in the right direction. This can be anything, but it's just a subtle clue or a good omen, if you will, that you're doing the right thing. And a normal person might overlook it and say it's just chance, but in reality, it's more than that. It's a sign that you're going down the right path. You have to always be aware and look for signs that tell you you're doing the right thing. There are always signs that tell you you're doing the wrong thing, and sometimes you can get confused because you might be doing the right thing, but the wrong way. That's it for me today. Thank you all for listening. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode and you get a good lesson out of it. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Tyler Perry, everybody in the house. It's good. It's good. We were talking about the chair. We need chairs for big guys, so this is... This is yeah, good. truth be told, a little anxiety. I broke a chair when I was in the third grade. Tyler provided these chairs, and I said in the back room, I said, if I sit down and my chair breaks, no. we'll keep going, but I'll be really embarrassed. He assured me we'd be okay. We're good. We're good. Yeah. We're good. We're good. Right. So, obviously, he needs no introduction, but uh, 20 featured films, more than 20 plays, nine TV shows, New York Times bestseller. Unbelievable. And even though, obviously, a media empire now, once one of these 2,200 people, small businessman, and uh, there's another 2,500 that are watching. Um, the energy here has been incredible. Last night when I came in, there were a whole bunch of small business folks at the, at the bar, and I will say, um, I probably should have skipped that part, but, <laughs> you know, when I, 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 was, I was talking to Anthony, who's uh, Human Resources, and, uh, uh, and a woman from Texas, who said, said uh, she would have lost her business without the program. Mm. And so all these individuals, they're struggling with things like uh, how to raise capital, how to manage the people how to manage growth, how to slow down when there's not growth. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes there's tears. But if we just start with you, and before we get to the amazing stuff you're doing now, Tyler Perry growing up. Just tell us about yourself a little bit. Uh, okay. All right, I'll tell you about me. <laughs> I, I, was, I was a pretty inquisitive kid. I, I, um, I also had this... Um, Awareness. I, I don't. I'm not quite sure where it came from, but I had this awareness of business. Like my father, who uh, built houses, and he would. He was a subcontractor, and he would come home and with his $800 that he had made, and he'd be so excited. He had made $800 that week, 
And then I look at the house that he sold, and the guy who owned the house was, had made $80,000 when he sold the house. So I wanted to be the guy who owned the house, always. I don't even know where <laughs> that came from in me as a kid, but I always wanted to be that guy. And looking Would at my... say, were you driven? I, beyond, beyond. A lot, of, a lot of the success that I experienced very early on in my career was based on running from poverty. I just did not want to be poor again. I just did not, not want to live in that place again. That. And, and, and also, also, also I, I wanted to be able to take care of my mother. So I was, I, was, I was driven to a point of just wanting to have enough money to take care of her. And I remember the day I told her that she could retire. It was, it was, it was an amazing thing. She worked at this Jewish community center for many, many years, uh, uh, teaching preschool kids. And she had developed, she had been through breast cancer and she had developed diabetes and she was having all of this resistance to, she was getting sick all the time from, from the kids. And she's like, I just, it's, it's difficult for me. I just need to retire. And I said, my play had just started to do a little bit well. I was so scared. She's, she said, I need, to, I need to let go of this. I can't do it anymore. And I said, go ahead and retire. I'll take care of you. And to be able to do that for her, was the most miraculous thing in my life, even yeah, though I was wonderful. scared to death because I wasn't sure it would work. So, so, so to have that opportunity to, to see her and, and bring her to, into this place in her life where the latter years of her life were really, really amazing, it's just, a, it's been a great blessing for me. That's wonderful. Yeah. So. I know you were talking about me young, and, but I just jumped to my mother. I'm just, so I'm, I'm following you, Harvey. Sorry, go ahead. No, where are we going? Where are we going? Yeah. This whole show is about you, it's not about me. <laughs> the, uh, so, okay, but back to the driven for a second. So you're driven, you're motivated, you're motivated, but you're obviously creative. Yeah. How do you discover that? Uh, you know what? For me, it was born out of the pain in my childhood. There was a lot of uh, tra tragedy and trauma in my childhood, and it formed um, this incredible imagination because no matter what was going on, no matter how dark or difficult things were in my life at that time, I could go inside of my head and go somewhere else. And that imagination became so strong and so vivid. It, it, it is now the place where I write from. I can sit in a room and literally, well, fig figuratively, feel myself in the situation mm. with the people that I'm writing about and the characters. So I believe really clearly that all things work together for your good. So all the trauma that I was going through became a part of, of what I'm able to tap into and use now in my life. So yeah, the, the imagination was key. And when did you start writing? I, I wrote my first play as around 18 or 19 years old. But I had seen, I didn't know it was a play at the time. I watched the Oprah Winfrey show, and she said it was cathartic to write things down. Who phone is that? Turn your phone off while we up here talking. I feel phone ringing, and I'm up here. So, so <laughs> no, no, I was watching now. <laughs> Medea made her appearance earlier than I thought she would. You weren't ready. You weren't ready. Harry. We're only three minutes in now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, I was watching the uh, Oprah show, and she said it was cathartic to write things down. I didn't know what cathartic meant, you know, being a product of a substandard uh, high school. And you definitely didn't know you'd be friends down the road either. No, did not know that. <laughs> did not know that. But I, but I uh, started writing, and I was using different characters' names and these stories that I was telling, because a lot of them were things that I had been through. And a friend of mine found it. He said, man, this is a really good play. And I thought, hmm, maybe that's what this is. Maybe it's a play. And it's really strange how you fall into your destiny. And that, that was the beginning of, of where I was headed. Right. Okay, so now a lot of these folks, they have to fund their initial business. It's a, in, in many cases, if I ask for a show of hands, a lot of hands will go up. Basically, life savings. Your story's like that, right? Yeah. 22, that first script. Yeah. 
just walk us through all that, how you thought about the decision, fear, confidence. Uh, well, t- at 22, you didn't ha- I didn't have much of a life savings, but I, but I, I had worked selling uh, used cars, selling, uh, I, I was a bill collector. I worked really, really hard. I, w- I, w- I did not mind working. I worked really hard, saved my income tax check, and I had saved about $12,000, and I moved to Atlanta, and I decided to put all the money into this play called I Know I've Been Changed, my first show. And I thought, I'm going to put this play up. I know it's going to be successful. I know it's going to work. Uh, I'm going to see 1,200 people over the course of a weekend. I put all the money in. I rehearsed it. I pung the lights. I had everything ready to go, and nobody showed up. There were 30 people in the audience, and I knew all of them. (laughs) I knew all of them. But but so you probably bought those tickets. They're right. They were (laughs) were comps. So. I realized very early on, okay, you may have the talent to do a good show because all the 30 people told me it was a good show, even though they knew me, right? (laughs) And you may have the talent to do a good show and entertain the audience, but you know nothing about marketing. You know nothing about getting the word out. You know nothing about how to bring an audience in. So let's kind of find your lane here. So as I was, uh, I put the show up, out of the 30, this this is when you know this is for me, like everything for me. You can put all the data, data analyst, the analytical information in front of me. This is what I, what I go on, my gut and my heart and in prayer and what I believe and very, very strongly, especially in business. Out of the 30, there was somebody there that wanted to invest. Mm. And we put the show up again in, in another city, lost everything again. But there was somebody else who wanted to invest. So I believe that God gives you all these signs, all of these little seeds to let you know you're in the right place. Just keep moving forward. And you'll get this little bit of light and encouragement that will let you know to keep moving forward. And that happened a great deal for me. So that night, that first night, the 30 people, how did you feel that night? Oh, crushed. Had the rent payment and the car payment, even though the car payment was already three months behind, I was hiding it. Uh, (laughs) Had the rent payment, everything tied up in it because I knew for sure that this would work. And I was so devastated when it didn't. I was blown away. I had had prayed. My mother said, child, just pray it's going to be all right. I had prayed. (laughs) I just believed that that the show was going to take off and it was, I was going to make my money back and then some and then I was going to be able to flip it and keep doing it over and over and over again. But it didn't turn out that way. Now, when you go to the second investor, yeah. were there big lessons learned for you there or you're just driven and persistent and you're relentless? Ask me that question again, let's say. In the, the second time, the second yeah. investor yeah. comes along yeah. and you fund it again. Yeah. Are you learning along that way? Like, are there oh. very tactical things that you're doing? Oh, for doing? sure. For sure. I learned that I'm not a promoter. I can't promote my own show. Yeah. Because I only knew about 45 people, and I had already had 30 <laughs> in the room. So. so, and there was no social media at the time. So, so yeah, I was learning uh, what worked on the show, and, I, and my focus was just stay creative, continue to serve the niche, serve the audience that's coming, serve them, serve, super serve them, like just... Focus, hyper-focus on them. Make sure that they are, are the nucleus and your intent. And what happened for me over the years is it grew and grew and grew and grew as long as I stayed focused on the core. And, and those are the things I learned very early on. Focus very strongly on the core. Do not disrespect them. Make sure that they know how special they are. Make sure how they know that you appreciate them. Uh, teach, show them as much respect and decency as you would anybody else because they're the bridge that's going to bring you over. So I hyper-focused on them, and then everybody else came. 
So there are people who were, who were watching my shows and, and uh, bootlegging my videos <laughs> <laughs> all over the country before anybody, before like the masses knew what I was doing. Wow. Okay, so now take us forward a couple of years. Yeah. Obviously, there's a long, it's a long road between then and now. Yeah. Critical moments, other challenges, mentors, things that come to mind. Like in yeah. that period in your 20s or into your, into your 30s, yeah. walk us through it. From, from 1992 to 1998, or 1993. 1992 is the first, that's the year you. I'm actually off for years. 1993 was when I first did the show. 1993, okay. I, I thought it was 92 until one day I found a ticket that said 1993. I was like, whoa, I was off a year. <laughs> but 1993. Whatever it was, it was painful. I just wanted to forget the year. But, <laughs> but 1993 until 1998, I would, I would try to do this play once a year. I would, uh, and every time I would try to do it, I would have a job. I would go to my boss. I'd say, listen, I need to get three weeks off because I need to go do this play. I feel like this is going to be a big hit. My boss would be like, you just started working here two weeks ago. What do you need, mean you need three <laughs> weeks off? But I knew that I had to do it. So I'd go back to my desk, I'd whisper a prayer, and I'd hear this voice say, quit. You're going to be okay, quit. And I, I would go tell the, 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 now listen, I'm not telling anybody in this room to quit your job. I'm just saying <laughs> that for me, I would quit the job, go out and do the show. And every time I went out to do the show, the show failed. Or so I thought. So for seven years. But in that time, I was learning. I was building a base. Slowly, the audience started to grow. They went from 30 to 300 to maybe 400, never got more than 800, but they were, they were growing slowly over that time. But I kept the faith in believing that this gift that I was trying to share with people, that this something that I had, this bit of special that I thought I had, mm. that it would grow into something special, and I would not let it go. So in 1998, everything turned around. It was that one moment, that one spark, all of those years of pushing, 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 one moment turned it around. I did the play in 1998 at the House of Blues. And by then I had given up. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to do like my mother said. I'm going to get me a job at the phone company, making about $300 a week I'm, and some benefits. My mother just wanted me to have benefits. That's all she wanted, right? <laughs> she's a so, good She's she, a good mom. She's a good mom. So, yeah. so, so I, I, I do this show, that last show in 1998, and it sold out over and over and over and over again. And... All of that was building up to that moment. So I would tell anybody in this room, if, you're, if you've got something that you believe very strongly in, hold to it. Sometimes it gets really dark, it gets really tight, but hold to it. Hyper-focus on it. One thing, focus on it really, really strong. I, I know these people who jump from idea to idea to idea to idea to idea, and it's like having a, a, a bucket of water and you're trying to water a, a full garden, and you're just taking all the water and you're spreading it all over a full garden when you don't have enough water. Whether if you took the water and just focused on that one plant and allowed it to grow so that it could give you the, the resources that you need to grow all the other plants around it. So, so that's, what I was, that's where I was with it for those, for those years. Now, obviously, a lot of people know your history and you've been really open about the role your mom's played in your life. During that period that 93 to 98 period, other critical mentors, people that you relied on? 
for me, there weren't a lot of people during that time. I mean, I, I uh, would watch the Oprah show. I mean, that's the, that's the reason I started writing, but I would watch the Oprah show. And, and she, she was not even, you know, I didn't know her at the time, so it was somebody who could, I could look to for inspiration. But no, there wasn't, I wish I could tell you that there were all of these people that were saying, you're going to do it, you're going to make it, it's going to work for you. But I had more naysayers and more dream killers and more people that told me I wouldn't make it than the ones that did. Even my mother, and you have to be careful that the people that love you the most because they will try and protect you. My mother said to me, she said, you stop doing these plays, you're never going to make it. Mm. And, and it crushed me. It devastated me because this is the, this woman I love so dearly. How could she, how could she say that to me? But, but what she was speaking from the point of view of growing up in a segregated South and coming into her own and never really having her own say in life. So it was very hard for her to imagine her child having that. So, so be careful of the people that love you the most who, who tell you, who tell you you're not going to make it. And I'll tell you why. You have to understand that it could be coming from love and they're seeing the pain and the hurt that you're going through. So you can't get caught up in that as much as you need to stay focused and keep pushing forward to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Now, okay, 98 happens, the yeah. breakthrough. I'm curious about one thing there that went to my mind. Do you think if social media existed the way it did today, it existed then. <clears throat> How do you think that would have influenced that process from 93 to 98? Do you think there's a chance you would have been an overnight YouTube sensation? And if you, if you could trade for that, would you trade for it? I, I tell you what I was doing, though, because this was a time of email. So I, every night I'd go out on stage, I'd like sign up for my mailing list. So I had my own email list of, of over millions, uh, over two million people at the time when I started doing the play. So I would start... When I, when I got after like 98, 99, 2000, get into those days. So yeah. I would send out emails and we'd sell out the show without any advertising. So I knew exactly. the power of it, right. of it then. But watching it now, I think it's too fragmented. It's too, it's too, um, it's a very powerful tool. It's really great, but it's, it's, it fragments the audience in so many places. It's hard to get the concentration. So if you can use it to concentrate the audience onto onto your product or to one thing, then that, to, to galvanize around it, then that's, that's powerful. So I don't know if it would have been as effective um, now if there had been, like all, then all we had was email. You have email, your mailing list, your website. Now you've got Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, your mommagram, your daddygram, the sistergram, <laughs> I mean every, so there's, there's, yeah. it's so fragmented and hard to get the information concentrated is what I believe. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Now, those five years where you're working through all this, they're obviously quite formative, right? People telling you you're going to fail. But I guess, not, I don't know you all that my guess is you wouldn't trade any of that. No, no, absolutely not. Every bit of it was so perfect, so on point, so important because here's the thing that I realized. I thought I was failing, but what I was doing was being educated. I was, I was learning. I was learning all along the way. I was... I was yeah. I said this to you 
I said this to you backstage. It's like if, if I had, um, I, I paid for a Harvard education probably 50 times in the mistakes that I made or the things that I didn't yeah. know, you know? So, so that was the time to learn, yeah. Okay, so now let's fast forward a little bit. So producer, director, actor, how do you even think about how you deploy your time, your creativity, and across all those different roles? It's kind of inconceivable to the, to the normal humans here. <laughs> I, you, know what, you know what happened in the beginning? I didn't have any money, so I learned how to do everything. So it's, I, again, it's back to necessity. Yeah, yeah, I learned how to do everything, but the problem became, now that you know how to do everything, you gotta learn how to let some of this go. So, so the, the, the janitor in the corner, when I'm walking through the studio, I'm like, you're not going to tell me how to mop this floor because I know which solution <laughs> yeah. that goes in because I've done that job. So I think it's just very important to be able to know all of the jobs and know what everybody's doing, be aware of it, and then you can, you can make the choices of what can be delegated. But for me, I, I, it's very important that you have a good team, and it's very hard to find a good team. I, 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 say, this, I say this in my book. Um, and I've said this on stage, you know, I compare everybody that comes into my life, you know, I put them in the category of a tree. And it's the same way in business. I put everybody in the category of a tree. Some people come, they're leaves on a tree. They're just there for a season. Wind blows too hard, they're gone. They can't take too much, right? Then there are some that are like the branches. They're a lot stronger. You can, you can give them more of, of, of your life. But when you put, if you walk out there too far on them, they may break and leave you high and dry. But if you get a few roots in your life, which like at the bottom of the tree, if you get a root, oh, their, whole, their only job is to hold you up and make sure you succeed. So I, 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 I equate that a lot, even in business, just try, trying to find the right people. But I'm never mad at a leaf employee or a branch employee. You know, they're who they are. But I just need to make sure that the roots are there. Mm. You know what I mean? Sure, of yeah, course. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Am I answering your questions? Am I answering your questions? No, I uh, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. good. All right. I, th All right. I, I think Tyler's doing a pretty good job, right? I'm just I'm yeah. make sure I'm asking your question. <laughs> yeah. No, I think all the things you're saying, if, if you're running a small business, it is all about how you build your team. And yeah. I'm sure everybody in this room feels like at multiple points, they're failing. Yeah. If you hear you talk about learning, how can that not be inspiring? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Learning and building a team is yeah. really important. Yeah. Now, you have this studio. Talk about today. Yeah. Your studio down in Atlanta. And employees, how you manage it, and everybody should really understand the significance of this, so walk us through it all. We, okay. Uh, <laughs> Too much? No, 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 no. I, no, I, um, um, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like I'm boasting or arrogant, but I guess I'll just say it. Um, <laughs> so uh, two, a couple of years ago, I bought Fort McPherson Army Base. It, it, it closed to build a studio there, and it's an incredible Army Base. When I drove in and saw this place, I was floored. Now, 10 years ago, you would have let, brought me to those gates and said, do you want to buy this place? And I would have said, absolutely not. There's no way this is too huge. I can't take this on. So as you talk about all those years, it was yeah. about growth and learning. So when I got this opportunity to buy this place and, and, and build a studio there, I realized all of those moments were preparing me for this moment. So every moment was leading to expansion. So there I am, it's, looking at this place, not feeling overwhelmed, but feeling grateful. It's in the heart of Atlanta. It's 330 acres. We just put the last nail in put our Put that life. in context for people, 330-acre studio. Yeah. In the scheme of studios in the world. It, it's, it's bigger than Warner Brothers. It's, it's just the size of Universal. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
And we just put the nail in our 11 sound stages. There will be 12 there. The first movie to shoot on the stage there was Black Panther. You know, oh, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I say that in the, in the beauty of this moment. It's just this, this, this army base was established in 1885, 20 years after the ending of slavery. So now, here I am, an African-American man owning this place. What a great country we live in. That, yeah, what a great country. What a great country. That if you work really, really hard, if you do right, if you honor people, if you do the best that you can and work really hard, the possibilities are limitless. I, 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 have no, I just want to tell you this story. I was, I was uh, in a car with President Obama. I'm name dropping. We were. They, they caught that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He, was, he, was, he was doing a fundraiser in Atlanta and he had come to my old studio. And, and I was watching him on stage and he, you know, and the old studios in Southwest Atlanta, which is, you know, the average income in that area was like $15,000, $16,000 at the time. And these were really poor people. So I'm watching these kids on the street and they're waving these flags as the presidential motorcade is coming through the, this neighborhood. I was blown away. So he comes and he speaks and after he says, hey, Come ride with me, because we're going to my house for the fundraiser. Just come ride with me. I'm like, in the beast? <laughs> I get in the car, and we're riding, and he's talking to me. And the traffic is backed up for miles, because there's nobody on the freeway but us. And, and, and he's talking, and he's talking, and all I'm hearing is wah, 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 wah. I, I finally turn and say, I'm sorry, Mr. President. I, can't, I have not heard a word that you've said, because my mother would be in tears right now at this moment. And I said, what a great country that you could become president. He turned to me and said, what a great country that you could become Tyler Perry. So when I, when I, when I, when I share that with people, man, I, I, you, you look at everything that may be going on right now. Some are happy, some are not happy. There's so much division. This, was very, this person's really excited. That person's not so excited. It's still the greatest country in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And in a lot of respects, it is about small businesses. There's 5 million small businesses in the United States. As I said, 2,200 here, but they, they employ 60 million people. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you're, okay, at the studio, again, how many people are employed in the studio? And how many people, just because of the vast expanse of the work you do, yeah. how many people, how many jobs get created because of the success that, that, that you've achieved? There, there were, we, we did a tally the other day to see how many people come through the year, through, through in the past year. It was 8,000 people that came through how many? the gates. How 8,000 8, people. 8,000 oh. people had come through the gates that had, that had uh, maybe 9,000, I got to check that, that had, that had come to work. There were the contractors and carpenters, and, and then there were the people, the 400 employees that I have, they are coming through to shoot movies. And it's just, it's, it's unreal for, to be able to stand in this position to think about those 30 people that, that showed up and to come to this place. And I say to anybody, you know, with great hard work and great faith, I, I think you can get to whatever you want to do in this, in this life. I really do believe that. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. So now, you know, your motivation I think all of us, in some respects, can relate to your motivation the way you described it between 93 and 98 and before that, right? You just wanted to have financial security, yeah. safety. You wanted, to, you wanted to be the guy selling the homes, not yeah. building the homes. What motivates you today? 
today. Because you seem, we talked backstage, and, and uh, I'm sure it's fine. I said, uh, so you, you seem motivated. He said, I'm relentless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was inspired by it. So uh, what keeps you motivated today? What, right now, I'm, I look at the most beautiful little boy I've ever seen in my life. My oh, son is nice. three years old. And I'll tell you the story. We were, we were on the beach and, and over, the, over the holidays, and he was, uh, he's jumping behind me. And I'm like, I just wanted to walk up the beach. I'm kind of, what are you doing? <laughs> and I turn around, and I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm walking in your footsteps, Papa. Ah. Yeah, right? So, of course, I, I, I tear up, you know. And I pull him beside me because his gait was, he couldn't keep up. Are with you a gait. crier? I'm a bit of a crier. Big guys tend to be criers. They don't like to talk about it in front of 5,000 people, but. You, you, you keep that to yourself, man. We're not going there. <laughs> No, yeah. no, so... For the yeah, record, yeah, that's yeah. a soft yes. That's a soft yes, that's a soft yes. <laughs> so I, I hold him, you know, by the hand, and we walk up the beach. I get to the end of the beach, and I said, now look, we both left footprints in the sand. I, we both went our own, uh, left our own path. So for me, when you talk about what motivates me now, it's him. And understanding this, that, that there are generations of people that came before me who wanted to be in this position, who, who prayed for their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren and who, who weren't allowed to walk into the front door of some of these places sure. that I'm able to walk into now. So when you, I feel that tremendous sense of responsibility, responsibility because I've been given this great opportunity that so many other people have wanted. So what motivates me is to honor it, to do the absolute best that I can with it and, and get it across the finish line. And, and then hopefully pass it on to him if that's what he wants to do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. If, so I love the tree analogy. Yeah. If you were to describe to everybody here, now you're running this empire, how would you describe your leadership style? You know what it is? Uh, I'm in the trenches with them because I'm writing and producing and directing everything. I'm, I'm literally side by side with everybody. So it's, we started every morning with a prayer, and it's not mandatory because I don't want to get sued. But I, <laughs> but I, but I tell everybody it's, it's not mandatory, but we, those, of, those of us who, who want to, we stand around and start with a prayer to set the tone and the intention for the day. And my, my style is treat everybody like you want to be treated, period. Period. No matter what job, no matter what position they're in, even though there there are ranks in the company, everybody has to be respectful and kind to everyone. And I think that it 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 it, it resonates as when people come to work there who have worked in other studios or other situations, or they come to shoot movies there. They leave talking about how great the people are, and I think that comes from the top down. And if you have great people, people who are excited about it, you should see some of these kids coming in there, man. They're walking in there and their eyes are like this big going, wow, this is possible. And I think that, that that kind of energy passes on to everybody that comes through the gates. Wow. So that's about, so you've built that culture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But did you think, so we talk about culture a lot at Goldman yeah. Sachs. It's an incredibly 148-year-old company. When we, when you, did you think about culture or you just, it kind of just grew around you because as the business grew? Because obviously 
you've created an extraordinary culture with that kind of energy. I, it, it grew around me, but I think that the, the, the leader sets the tone in all of it. I think, you know, if you've got chaos and madness around you, then that's going to be how, you, how your business is. But if you're a person that likes peace and calm and respect and love and, and giving and generosity, then you, those kind of people will gravitate to you. Every now and you, then you'll get some that, that don't fit. Sneak through. Yeah, they'll sneak through. But, <laughs> but, but it, what, what I found is, is it's very hard for people who have tremendous dysfunction to focus in peace and chaos. So they usually will weed themselves out. Hmm. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I have a couple other questions, but I, I, I think people would be annoyed with me if I didn't ask about Medea. Oh, Lord. No, come on. The you can do it in character. You can answer on. in character uh, if you want. No, come on. <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> that old broad, man. I'm telling you, the minute people stop coming, she's dead. <laughs> I'm putting that broad to rest. But, but she's been, she's been a, an amazing staple and, and, and uh, franchise for the business. And, and, and as much as I hate doing it, it is, it is, it is a... I kid you not. Yo, you laugh. I kid you not. It, is, it has afforded some great opportunities. It, when I started in the business, I knew that there were certain things that I had to do to make it work. I, I would love to go do a movie that is um, as powerful as Schindler's List. I wrote a script in 1995 called The Jazz Man's Blues. It's about a Holocaust survivor and a jazz singer. And it's this beautiful, amazing story that I've wanted to do for since, since then, since the 95. But I knew that what I was building, I had to focus on serving the niche, building the brand, so that I could solidify the bottom of it so that I could build all these other things to stand on. Now, after all of these years in business, I'm just getting an opportunity to do that script. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so it's about being strategic, taking the knocks, Taking the criticism, taking what you ever do, what, what, whatever happens, let it come, whatever, that's fine. Just take the knocks, stay focused so that you can get to the ultimate goal is what I've had to do. Yeah. I, know, I know I'm trying to avoid you talking about Medea, but go ahead. No, you did a good job there. <laughs> I was thinking about whether I'd come back. We only have three minutes left, and I want to come this way. So you, did a, you, you burned some good clock. Yeah. yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, good, yeah. Good, good. The, uh, we've talked a lot about, we've talked about many things that everyone in this room I am sure can incorporate into their daily business. But if you had to be super specific about a handful of tips mm. for these small business yeah. owners, mm. what would they be? I'm a man of faith, and I don't know how many people of faith are in the room, but I will tell you, I will, I will say this to you. My, what, what, I, what I believe is this. Trust God and do good. That is, that is the, the core foundation for me. Just trust God and do good. That, that, that I would tell anybody. It's just, there are times in, 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 like I've got people that have worked for me. Oh, I shouldn't say this because we're streaming, but uh, I got this lady who's worked for me for a very long time. And uh, she's up in age now. And, and the job that she's doing, <laughs> we get a lot of complaints. <laughs> we get a lot of complaints. But, but she's been there with me from the beginning. So I feel this tremendous sense of making sure that, you know, she's in her 80s, that as she goes on, she's comfortable because of the gratitude that, I've, that I have for her. So I think it's very important that you, you pass that on to the people that are working for you, that they know they are appreciated. And a lot of times it's like raising children when you have a lot of employees because you, you, they come to work with mama issues and daddy issues and things you weren't even, <laughs> things you ain't got nothing to do with. 
But I've learned over the years to sit back and say, when somebody's talking and they're going off and something's going on, I will sit back and go, wait a minute, let me see what this is really about. So let me get to the heart of what this is. Not necessarily engaging too deep, but, but just finding out what is this moment really about? Because it, it's not about how, how mean this person is being to somebody else. This is something that's going on. So if you can get to the source of, or the root of what may be going on at home or in another situation, it usually can, can allow that person to have that catharsis and elevate to the level that you need them to be. Oh. I just jumped another subject. because I know you, you did. It's mine. Off Madea. Yeah. It's your show. Yeah. Your show. I'll come back. I'll no, come back what to you want to ask me? Just ask me one question. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, one question. You get one question. I just get scared I'm going to get punched in the face. <laughs> it's usually a right hand, though, right? Yeah, that's all good. It's it's not, I think you could take her. Yeah. yeah, that's a good right hand. So uh, we, only, we have less than a minute, and I have to stay on schedule, but I, I want to go through this. Why do we have to stay on schedule? They ran over before. Why we can't run over? No, I'm kidding. Fine. No, I'm kidding. 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 No, See, Harvey, I'm kidding. That's natural leadership. Oh, yeah, natural kidding. leadership. <laughs> I want to go through this speed round. Okay. With, you, with the group. Okay. Uh -oh. Favorite movie you've made? It's a speed round. <laughs> <laughs> I, now, I got a little too familiar with it, right? Movie? No, no, it's, it's okay. Favorite no, it was movie. good up until then. Favorite, wait, let me get this plug in. Uh, Acrimony comes out in March. Favorite movie coming favorite out in movie, March. Favorite movie, Acrimony, yeah. Okay. Speed round, come on, man. You're right. <laughs> I got tripped up on the dialogue. Okay, here's a good one. Movie you wish you'd made? Oh, Star Wars. Yeah. Man, I, me, I would love to be <laughs> Lucas right about now. Yeah. Yeah. Relentless. Yeah. He's, he's relentless. Uh, I think we know this one. Your life motto. Yeah, just trust God and do good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if your life were a film, who plays you? Ooh. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. That works. Um, and you, uh, you've been incredibly inspirational for so many people in your life and for everyone in this room, but uh, someone who inspires you. Mm. That, that, uh, Oprah, has to be Oprah, yeah. Just from day one, has to be Oprah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Perry, we can't thank you enough for being here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Tyler Perry, everyone. Thank you.